The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WHIO and Cox Media Group. This hour is sponsored by There is a Season. America's top talk shows with breaking news, traffic, and weather. W H I O. There is a season Welcome to There is a Season, the Bob and Gloria show. This is the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf, And I'm Gloria Shanahan. Thank you for joining us. And as always, if you'd like to add your insights to our topic today, we'd love to hear from you. 457-1290 is the number to reach us. 937-457-1290. And feel free to write us anytime at bobandgloria at thereisaseasonshow.com. Okay, so last week we asked you this question. What is the future of your care? This is not an easy thing to do, to think about, especially if you've got limitations of time or treasure. That is, for instance, in terms of time, you're just too darn busy to think about it right now. What with work cares or the care of loved ones, be they seniors in your life or your children, including adult children or others, or a million other things you've got to do. You're just busy. Thinking about the future of your care, and that can be years away, or it can be months and weeks away, is also limited by your financial flexibility or financial constraints. If you need to move to a safer location with more services or you need to access paid help of any kind, cost quickly becomes a part of the equation. Now to partly address issues of care, families often step in And that can mean anything from a few hours a month to 10, 20, 30, or more hours per week of unpaid care. Experts estimate the national value of this care at somewhere between approximately $650 billion and as much as $3 trillion per year. The point is, families often help a lot, and they've helped even more during our latest COVID pandemic. An interesting wrinkle to all of that, too, is as many couples have continued to delay marriage and child rearing, a significant portion of unpaid care has shifted to people in their 20s and 30s. This is creating some interesting dynamics across various demographics as the care of those older than ourselves would seemingly compete with other seasons in our lives and the things we may have expected to do at those times. Additionally, many seniors will say, well, I don't want to be a burden to my children or grandchildren. And while that's certainly a noble sentiment to a significant degree for a lot of people, it becomes untenable when many of us really do need some kind of care. Now, that can be anything from errands to cleaning to cooking, maybe to helping with some laundry to simply just visiting and keeping someone company. It can mean technical fixes when the TV or maybe the computer goes out or help with cutting the lawn or shoveling snow, maybe getting a repair done or doing some maintenance for the car. It can also mean help with financial matters or improving safety around the home, or it can include more intimate care, including help with bathing and other essential activities of daily living. There are many things to consider when we talk about the future of our care. The key questions are usually the same though. 
One question is simply, do you have family or friends to help at any degree? Are there family and friends around you? We talk about families being spread across the country, but even a physical separation of 30 or 50 miles in this day and age. Think about our own region with work and commuting, and maybe you've got kids' activities and other things pulling at family time. Well, it makes checking in on mom or dad or another senior relative not always a simple thing. Story I have my own family here of... uh, of uh, my brother, who uh, used to travel a lot in the United States and lived about 55 miles away from my parents. And he did everything he could possibly to get up there and see them often. But when there was any kind of crisis at all, be it a, a tree limb that came down or a problem with the plumbing or whatever, it got to the point where he was always needing to make that 55-mile run. And for some people, it's longer than that. And it's not the easiest thing to fit into a day. And so sometimes visits get you know delayed. Uh, problems don't get solved. So are family and friends willing and able to help? Are these relationships in such a state that help is even possible? You know, if there's been estrangement or tension of some kind, that's not always the case, right? Yeah. And we talked last week about the concept of elder orphans, which is some 22% of seniors in this country who live alone with virtually no family anywhere near them. Perhaps a small percentage of these prefer that arrangement, but a great many would not, and yet it still happens. But as you said, Bob, even when family is around or relatively nearby, help is not always easy to secure, and it's often very difficult to ask for. So what are the alternatives? Well, some have suggested churches and other informal networks of friends and social groups, support groups who can help each other out. There's no question that people in need of some form of care in their later years can sometimes benefit from, you know, these associations. But not everyone can. Maybe not everyone cares to. And of course, some people with means can afford to either move into care communities like we discussed last week, maybe a combination of independent care and assisted living and nursing care and memory care and so forth. Uh, Or they can derive skilled and non-medical in-home care through various agencies. However, as we've also discussed in this program, there are significant shortages in staffing. Howard Gleckman, writing for Forbes magazine, states, Every conversation I have with operators of senior living facilities and home care agencies quickly pivots to one issue, a desperate shortage of care workers. The problem isn't new. Low pay, low status, and physically and emotionally demanding work has plagued the long-term care industry's ability to hire for years. Yes, and the COVID-19 pandemic has only amplified these problems, Bob. More than 160,000 people, including nearly 2,000 staff, died from COVID-19 over the past 16 months. AIDS, overwhelmingly women, were unable to find care for their children while schools stopped the in-person learning, and so they had to leave their jobs. Only about half of facility-based staff have been willing to get vaccinated putting their jobs at risk. Now, with hospitality and other industries scrambling to find willing workers, care workers suddenly have many other work choices, many that are in less difficult and better paying occupations to boot. These shortages are real. Gloria and I, and perhaps you, have seen them, whether it's trying to schedule in-home care for a loved one or simply noticing the comparatively empty hallways of a number of retirement communities The shortage of workers seems to be on everyone's lips. 
and at a time when care is needed more than ever before. For some similar and some different reasons, Gloria and I were talking about the same issue occurring in Japan, if you remember this, well into the last decade. I was checking back my notes on this, and I pulled up 2017, but I know we talked about it earlier than that. We've been on since uh, 2010. So, um, in fact, by 2018, the Japanese government had identified a shortfall of 380,000 specialized healthcare workers <clears throat> that was on the horizon by the year 2025. That's in a government that's... Um, you know, in a nation that's about 37% the size of the U.S. population. But here's the kicker. With 65 and over accounting for 28% of the population in Japan, in the U.S. it's closer to 16.5%. So they certainly have a health care and mm. caregiving crisis going on. Yes, and the United States is facing a similar dilemma. As the percentage of people aged 65 or older, Bob, is expected to rise to roughly... 26% by 2050. Now, compounding the problem is that the cost of elder care is becoming incomprehensible and uncontrollable, it seems. While elder care expenses vary from state to state, a national snapshot shows that the annual median cost of a private room, now this is in a skilled nursing home, mm-hmm. is not um, just approaching dollars which reflects a 1.25% increase from the year 2015. Now, this growing financial burden coupled with the shortage in caregivers proves the need to find a more efficient way to care for the world's older population. Well, younger generations up until now have been asked and tasked with serving as caregivers. The rapid rate at which the world's aging population is increasing is causing many researchers to ask this question. What happens when there are simply too many elderly people to take care of? According to estimates by AARP, there are currently about seven people aged 45 to 64 to care for each person who is 80 or older. By 2030, that figure is expected to fall to only four people available to care for someone uh, over 80. And by 2050, there will be fewer than three caregivers available for people over the age of 80. And they're not stating caregivers in a um, particular community, a caregiving community. They mean overall. That would include family and any uh, employee at a place. Right. They're just I mean, that's overall. Looking at big numbers at the big and, numbers, and the big aging picture. of the population. Right, yeah. right. So as scientists, healthcare professionals, and others studied the issue of care, they eventually moved toward a recasting of the idea of a shortage of caregivers into what was really for them a shortage of functions or services. Now that led to a segmentation of the problem that in turn created solutions that addressed three issues, companionship, mobility, and routine healthcare maintenance. One of the first solutions coming out of Japan that we talked about here on this program in the past was PARO, the soft squealing and crying mechanical baby seal companion that was created to serve those suffering from dementia. Other mechanical or robotic solutions also emerged, including one for transporting immobile patients. So that brings us to today's discussion. Whether it's due to a shortage of professional caregivers or the limits posed by family or the lack thereof in terms of family, whether your relationships are good or not, it sometimes comes down to a question of availability. Maybe it's geographic distance, which is complicating matters. 
or as we said, the high cost of retirement communities or in-home care where you live. Are there solutions, other solutions, even robotic solutions that you would consider? 937-457-1290 is the number to weigh in on the topic today. And we're going to we're going to open your mind here about the types of uh, solutions that are coming here in the, in the technology in the next four or five years. Are there things that you would consider? What would you want from something if it was a robotic caregiver? 457-1290, when we continue on There is a Season. You are listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7, WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. We're talking today about the future of your care. What do you envision? What is the biggest challenge going to be for you? Have you considered planning the next five years, two years, even later this year? What are some of the care areas that you see in your own life or in that of a loved one? And whether it's cost or family availability or relationships or whatever else, Do you see robots or some type of technology as a solution for some of your future care? Give us a call, 457-1290. We've got uh, Glenn here from um, north of Dayton, wants to weigh in on the subject. Glenn, welcome to the program. Hi, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. I just wanted to weigh in. I used to be a um, life insurance agent with um, a company here local to Ohio, and we had a discussion amongst ourselves uh, not long ago about the baby boom generation alone at the time was roughly about a third of our entire U.S. population. Obviously, we have issues with Social Security and all that, but I think we really owe it uh, to that um, generation and older as well to, um, to look at how we're investing our money. I was always raised, my father was a Baptist preacher in Indiana. We were raised to be good stewards of our money. I think we're giving away way too much for special research and things that don't matter. These folks have worked their entire lives to help make our country as great and wonderful as it is. And how sad a shame it is to say we're going to use a, um animated computer uh, to not give them the care that they totally deserve. And I think we're giving away way too many of our resources. We definitely have to look at that. I know that's uh, kind of a political um, thing as well, so not to get into too much of that. Well, Glenn, let me just, even if you take out government policy from this whole equation, we simply have some of these uh, existential things going on here. We just have a shortage of people interested and available to do that kind of work. What put them on the sidelines of that uh, discussion, I don't know. But a lot of families do live apart from one another. Uh, A lot of people, one of the reasons we do this show is that a lot of people don't plan for this time of their lives. So what do you think is the solution here? Because, you know, in Japan where they have so many more people and they have such a a, a huge difference in terms of caregivers versus uh, people in their older population, um, they've gone to this technology out of sheer necessity. What do you think uh, is the gap here if it's not a robotic solution? 
Sure, you're highlighting a great point there as well. My sister was a registered nurse in the Indianapolis area, and she actually quit her job with the hospital she was working at. She had a uh, opportunity to do the COVID testing and was making just bonkers money doing that. Um, you know, I think that, um, again, aside from any political slant, we have to look at how we are interacting with our families. We've lost a lot of the old-fashioned values to where really investing in each other, not just money, but the love, the values, um, the, the, some of the old traditional things. I think losing and getting away from that is making us become very, um, um, I guess, uh, I, I'm trying to think of the right term. It, it's I, I stranding very, a lot of um, our, our older folks. Yes. desperate for these other things because we have not kept and maintained those connections and investing in each other. I don't know when we're at a point of desperation what is the right answer. I just know that it's a sad shame that we don't love and take care of one another. Our parents have taken care of us. The older generations have worked their butts off their whole life to um, give us the things we enjoy today. And I feel like we owe it to them to um, do whatever it takes even if we have to put our lives on pause a little bit, we owe it to them to um, to take care of them properly so we don't have a robot with no warmth doing that. Yeah, I agree with you. You, you won't get any argument on this program. Thank you for the call, Glenn. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. You too. Uh, he, he makes good points that we've been discussing here for years, but it kind of begs the question. I mean, sometimes um, you're going to get demographic you know, expansion and contraction anyway. You know, they're seeing that in Social Security. The baby boomers was was a very large population. If you looked at it from 1946 to 1964, 78 million people. Will that happen again? Right now, the millennial population technically is larger than the baby boom, but it's spread over such a, an enormous number of years. People don't always think of it as that big. What do you do when you have those population gaps, when people have made other decisions? You've got two income earners, a lot of times uh, tying up their time and you know, he raises all the points that we've there's, talked about for years. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things going into that, too. I think that um, so many people have delayed uh, childbearing as well. So when uh, maybe their loved ones are at a point where they need care, they're still raising their their children because they had them later in life. Yeah. Um, and people and are the, living longer. Right. Too. And That's then, big, you know, thing. another thing that has changed in our in our world is that people aren't staying close. They're not working on a farm, generally speaking. They're going to college and they're not just going to the local college. You know, we have had this push in the United States where, oh, well, let's go to our colleges that are, you know, hundreds of miles away that are not close. Right. And then they set up life and then there. They, and they set up life there. And then the parents of those children go to visit them. Lives are becoming busy for a lot of reasons. Yes, they yes, they you are. Know. Four five seven twelve ninety if you'd like to weigh in on this topic today. When we come back from the news, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about where the technology is insofar as we are discussing this future of care and the possibility of robots. What about artificial intelligence? How far have we come in being able to approximate human care, at least in certain areas like companionship, mobility, and routine healthcare maintenance? And granny pods. I remember we talked about that. <laughs> granny pod, right. I forgot are, about those. Are there solutions here that make some sense in technologies? And we'll get into that uh, on the other side of this break. So what do you think? Would you want a robot taking care of you? What would you want to be in that robot? What would you expect <laughs> as a minimum technological ability? 
888-445-71290 to weigh in on that today on the program. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season, the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. And I was just thinking that while we were on the break, you asked, what would you want a robot to be able to yes. do? I was kind of thinking, I'd want to say, get me a beer or get me a bowl of ice cream. You want, you want one with the portable refrigerator I'm thinking on of those, those little things that, yeah, I would want. Hey, you know, we, we were talking <laughs> offline here and, and this conversation always comes up. How we got to this point, you know, to Glenn, the, our caller's, uh, you know, statement or, or remarks. Mm-hmm. Uh, is something we've been talking about here for over a decade on the program. Um, what have families done and, and chosen over lots of years? We've got a lot of dynamics that have gone on here, and we're not trying. We're not ignoring that. Uh, life expectancy has gone up. We've got um, two-income families. We've got you know larger homes and cars and commitments to kids and all this kind of stuff. Uh, how much do people save? How much have people not saved? Which obviously controls options, some element of their freedom to determine where they might want to go and how they might want to live. Um, there are a lot of life choices that go are baked into this discussion. We, we recognize that um, for how we got here. And yes, there are a lot of shoulds that we've even discussed about, you know, maybe people need to start reprogramming their lives back to where the way things used to be. So we say, okay, we increase our capabilities to uh, care for our older people as they're, as they're getting older. And, and a lot of us do. It's not that we don't do that. But that's that's another conversation that's really kind of part of a lot of programs we've done over the, as I said, over the last decade. But here we are. And there are many people who either live farther apart, have made those choices already, or, or are very stretched in their, in their schedules and so forth. And so robots and other kinds of technology are starting to come in, as they are in many parts of life, as a convenience, as a time saver, as a cost saver. Uh, because it's a lot easier to, you know, spend the capital on one robot than it is to pay somebody for many, many, you know, months or years. What were some of the examples you had mentioned here that we were already seeing robots deliver? Um, oh, so during the pandemic, I saw on the news that to keep, you know, the students in their dorms, you know, they couldn't come out. There were these little square robots. They re- resembled like a big, large pizza box. And they had wheels on them and students could order food from the cafeterias at the universities. And these little robots drove to a certain spot and doled out the food. Um, I There is some restaurant here in our state that I just saw on a blog that had a robotic waiter, waitress. I mean, everybody's complaining about shortage of help, right? It's not just in caregiving. And airports, I believe, are beginning to use robots um, in the waiting areas to get food. And there's certainly the some additional buyers. familiarity with things like Alexa and Siri. And and, and our, our and our phones. I mean, right, we've right. so embraced everything right at our fingertips, at our command, on our phones, on our iPads, you name it. Now, a lot of these technologies have certainly garnered a lot of scrutiny, and many are concerned that a robot workforce 
is bound to replace humans in many industries. That conversation has been going on now for a couple of decades, the automotive industry and others. But focusing on the potential downsides of these innovations makes us overlook the promise of robots as social beings, life facilitators, and trusted companions. This comes from an article uh, by Michelle Druin, who wrote for Salon, uh, a story called Robots Are Coming for the Elderly, and that's a good thing, as opposed to sounding like they're monsters. So, though once clunky and awkward, artificial intelligence technology has reached the point where robots and chadbots, and we're going to talk about some of these robots here soon, are learning and mimicking humans. They mirror speech patterns, and they remember um, a human's likes and dislikes. Like beer. Well, now, I, I don't Gloria. drink that much beer. I'm just saying, wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> Go get me a beer. Give me I, another I, beer. Yeah. <laughs> more and more, they are being built to be socially responsive rather than apathetic and robotic-like. Uh, like the chatbot technology often often encountered on customer service lines. Now, tech companies are also putting efforts into anthropomorphism, making robots look and move like humans. Ooh, that's weird. Which, when combined with advanced artificial intelligence, is making robot friends a real possibility. Now, Bob, I even have a hard time with thinking about my friend as a robot. Well, you never know. I mean, and again, it would depend. And this is not said. In, I don't in any have kind many con- friends. Maybe I look but, into this. Uh, particularly, they said with <laughs> with population with dementia, the it's, idea of companionship well, or some kind of feedback from a a device it, it's like the can little, be crucial. Yeah, the little the stuffed animals that you can get that purr like cats or dogs. Those are I see those all the time in continuing care facilities. Now, there's some research that has shown interactions with artificial intelligence are are not viewed as socially beneficial or as much as those with humans, okay? Um, But people have emerged from these interactions with positive emotions. Importantly, according to this article, we humans also have fewer negative emotions and Uh, presentation concerns, in other words, fear of a negative evaluation when interacting with robots than when interacting with other humans. Think about that. You know, you're not your best. You don't feel good. You don't look good. So, you know, if your your son or daughter comes in, you don't want them to be like, gosh, mom, you have the same clothes on that you had yesterday. Right. You don't want those negative emotions. And a robot's not going to judge you that way. They're not going to judge you, right? Uh, So it, it gives people some hope. Um, combined efforts from tech companies, psychologists, and human-computer interaction specialists are creating the promise of companions for people ha- who have none. <sighs> so will we see this more and more in our lifetime? What do you think? 457 Let's take a call here from uh, Jenny in Huber Heights. Jenny, welcome to the program. Thank you. Well, I was going to tell you I would gladly accept a robot. <laughs> would you now? Tell us why. Yes. Tell us what you well, think. Well, for all of the reasons you said, and I think that older people hate to lose our independence. So you think it would keep you in your home and independent longer? Yes, I do. Because, And I think that we should have more of those aging in place experts that would come into our homes and help us know what to do to be able to stay in our home. That's what we talk about on this show almost weekly. What can you do and how to be proactive before right. it's too late to have that option? Because once it happens, it's usually too late right. for you to plan for it. Someone else takes over and makes decisions for you, which none of us like. 
So, Jenny, what and features I, would... I agree with you that I... I would rather a robot see me in the worst condition <laughs> of my life. You could stay in your bathrobe all day long and nobody would That's criticize right. and you. And the robot would have no opinion. What, what, well, so speaking of the robot, what would you want a robot to be able to do right yeah, now? I you... would want him to vacuum just like the little ones they have now. And I would want him to prepare my food and clean my house. Food and, cleaning. And have an automatic shower that would spray me. <laughs> I'm liking it. Okay. I would be just like a baby. <laughs> would you expect to have conversation? Yeah. Sure. And okay. I think I think that um, from it the could res- stimulate my brain. <laughs> right. It could play games with you. Maybe work sure. work on you know some puzzles. Um, I I always would envision a robot maybe having a sense of humor. That would be important to me for it to crack some jokes or make us laugh because that's I think that's right. important. Is good for you. That's right. That's right. What about um, uh, just thinking about physical therapy? Okay. Oh yeah, come on, get up off the couch, Jenny. Let's do our. <laughs> Jenny, you might look like hell today, but you're going to exercise. You know, I mean, just think about that. Now I noticed, Jenny, you also mentioned he. And I don't know if that's just a, a way that we tend to personify things in the male voice more than the female voice. Oh, I wouldn't voice. care. You wouldn't, you wouldn't care, care. If, if there was okay. any gender involved. Okay. Uh, what no, about? No, it wouldn't matter. <laughs> uh, medication disbursement, if that even yeah. becomes oh, legal. Oh yes, manage medications. Okay. I, you know, I, I Bob, take this... me for a ride or in a self-driving car. <laughs> oh, now we're going no, see, somewhere. I had, <laughs> no I had intended. this thought that, um, you know, we got Elon Musk with these uh, self-driving cars <laughs> and all these kind of things. I kind of envision a future where people will have built into their house some kind of a portal, and their self-driving car will pull itself into the garage. And then you'll go through some kind of a little gateway, get right into yeah. the car, hit a button, and it'll take you somewhere. You know what? There you go. When I when I was a child and I watched the show The Jetsons, you know, they get in their little thing that flies around. I always thought someday, I used to tell my mom, someday that's going to really happen. And, you know, we are on the brink of that. I just read an article recently where it's going to be like public transportation. Cars might become a thing of the past, and we might even have things that fly. Right. If, if, if Jenny can I mean, spare any time, though, Jenny's going to keep him pretty busy <laughs> with all of her needs. <laughs> I like well, your... I, I actually like, have long-term care insurance, but hopefully I will be able to use it in my home, and I don't really want to go to a nursing home or a care center ever. Uh-huh. And, of course, I plan to be 100. Yeah, well, and I would think that, you know, I don't have the cost on this. We were, When we were doing the first story about Japan some years ago, I remember the first Paros that they came out with, like any technology, were more expensive, five or 7000 and eventually they were down to 2000 and less than that. I don't know what a robot would cost. I don't know. Yeah. I think I looked it up at one point, the estimation, and now this was years ago, and I think they were saying, you know, maybe it would be, you know, forty or 50000 but that won't even get you you know, 10 months in an assisted living. So I know it's or, terrible. Or in home care. Uh, in home care so if you hours. want 24-7, yeah. yeah. that's unaffordable. And it would be great if our families would be able to take care of us. But I think most of us realize, like you spoke of one one week about orphans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is a oh, we didn't like the, we didn't like the phrase, we didn't like the term, but it seems to be a truth more than we want and, to admit. And I think, though, you know, I don't think all uh, senior citizens with families are complete 
orphans. I think no. that there's usually some level, hopefully, of family stepping in for some of the care, companionship. Hopefully. But families do live so far apart now. Yes, yeah. yes. Now that is a, that geographically, that's an issue. Well, Jenny, we're yeah. going to discuss a, a number of different robot opportunities coming up there. Yeah, we do have some tuned. research on that. So see if any <laughs> of these. I love your show. Okay. Well, th- thank you very much for saying that. I appreciate that. Put uh, me down for the first robot available. <laughs> you're going to have to be on the design team. That's for sure. <laughs> All right. Thanks thank a lot. You. Take thank care. Bye bye. Four five seven twelve ninety. If you'd like to weigh in on this question, uh, do you see a robot in your future? Now, here's a number of models that are coming down the pipeline. One is called. LQ, uh, positioned as an aging companion, it's launched by a company called Intuition Robotics, is designed to keep older adults active, independent, and engaged. And this robot can remind people to take their medicines and schedule Ubers. Um, you can play games with this robot. You can access social media and conduct on-screen video chats to stay connected with the outside world. That's What's another one? LQ. Okay. LQ, yeah. Another one is called Robear. And this is a nursing robot that can perform power-intensive tasks such as lifting a patient out of bed and placing him or her into a wheelchair or supporting a patient who needs help standing. It has actuators with a meager gear ratio, which enables joints to move very quickly and very accurately. It also includes three types of sensors that enable gentle movement and ensure that the robot carries out tasks this is pretty cool without harming the patient. Yeah, and that's, that cool. and that's tricky to, to move somebody who's immobile, you know, who yeah. they have to obviously have a uh, row bear would have to be robust to it's, be able well, to lift it sounds somebody. like he or she is. Another one is called SAM, uh, a mobile telepresence robot that nursing homes can use to frequently check up on their residents and provide them with non-medical care. SAM's main objectives are to lower operating costs and staff turnover, deal with staff turnover, uh, to uh, lower or reduce accidents, and isolation for older adults. Older people can see and interact with their on-screen inter, uh, interlocutors, there's a word for me, which uh, helps them feel accompanied and less alone. What's another and one? And the next one is called Zora, and this is an interactive caregiver controlled by a tablet. It's like an iPad. Zora can lead physical therapy classes and read TV shows, weather forecasts, or local news. Assisted living facilities have employed Zora to keep their residents entertained and active with some dance and exercise. And finally, CareObot, a a mobile robot assistant that can perform a range of household tasks. Jenny would love this one. I think she's going to need four or five robots at this point. She may want the whole suite here. (laughs) She'll have a lot of company all the time. Right. Uh, This one could deliver (laughs) drinks. There you go. Food and drinks. This is the the Gloria one. (laughs) CareObot. Carol Gloria, we're going to call it. Uh, It could also carry medications to the user, assist in cooking and cleaning. It can place emergency calls, host video conferences, and engage in conversations. That's mine. I want CaroBot. CaroBot. And I I think, Jenny, I think that what we should do, you you want a whole slew of these, and you can, it's like having a party, having people over. You you just, and pick the one who's the best for that job. You can really get into some good conversations. Carol Lawn, go cut my lawn, you know, (laughs) Carol Drive, whatever. So... Uh, we've got more to talk about in this. There's still time to get in your phone call. If you have a thought about this, 457-1290, the future of your care, will it involve a robot? What would you want that robot to do? More right after this. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk.
It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO. Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO. Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. We've been talking about the future of caregiving today. And would you, could you, should you consider a robot? I mean, even if you do some of the math, we were talking about this. If you had uh, in-home care, what, what did we figure in the last show? About 30 bucks an hour or maybe even more now? It depends. It's anywhere from 25 to $40 an hour through agencies. So if, I'm just going to say 30 is a round number so I can do the computation. In a 20-hour week, which used to be kind of the industry standard for a typical engagement with an in-home care agency, you're looking at $600. If you're looking at a year, that's $30,000 for part-time help right and if, and if you truly need somebody's eyes on you all the time that is when the shift goes to it's it's less expensive to move into an assisted living 24 right. 7 care we, for a private in-home caregiver is unaffordable yes yeah, so, which is you know as much as we Not were to saying mention you can't find s- the help some of these prices that we were discussing even last week are they seem astronomical but when you actually look at the math and you say what would it cost to actually have somebody on site with eyes on, uh, you know, care and supervision, because it does become care, you know, supervision if somebody were to fall or, or needs help to get around. We, we get the sentiment about wanting to stay home. Most people want to stay in their homes, right. but it is hard at advanced years yeah. to, to and do that. And the demographic that chooses that type of employment is definitely changing, if not becoming non-existent. Um, the younger generation generally... Um, make that my point generally speaking they're not interested in that type of care and so i personally know a lot of people who are moving out of that line and, of work and they're it's not tired. cost competitive it's not pay competitive not anymore. when you can go work for um certain retail places or restaurant fast foods for 18 to 20 dollars an hour and you're just kind of going through the motions caring for a human being is not going through the motions right. and it's mentally and physically it's, it's different. So there's really two things on there when you think about the supply and demand of that marketplace. When we've done our program before, what is your, uh, what is uh, aging worth to you? I think we put it in that context. It's not only how much money you might have put away, but that has obviously some impact on what the industry charges to maintain a business like that. Right. And if you're only going to pay people 13 or $14 an hour, you're simply not going to have enough people who can do this kind of work, not in this economy. Right, right. Anyway, interesting thoughts. If you have some comments after the show you want to share with us, please write to us at Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com, or you can write this station and they'll get the note to us. We'd love to know your thoughts about the future of caregiving and robots. To everything, there is a season, a time to every purpose under the heaven, and it is time for us to go. Remember, dear friends, seek grace in every step you take. Reach out to someone around you and offer them a kind word or a hand. For Gloria, for our producers, and everyone who makes the show possible, I want to thank you for spending some time with us again today. You've been listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Have a blessed week.